It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to the money that was put in. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she would save the perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes to the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it. As it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and they had done these things to him. Now the crowd who was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look, how the whole world has gone after him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everyone? All right? My name is David, if you don't know me, and uh, uh, it's great to be here. Uh, I've got a couple of announcements to start with first. Anyone who knows the Halliwells? People have met them beforehand. Bruce sometimes is here. Uh, they became grandparents again this week, if you're interested. Um, they have a new granddaughter called Selena Grace Ma. And about that big. I'm guessing, but there's no details given, so I'm assuming it's a normal size for one of those. Um, but if you see uh, Bruce and Diane, uh, congratulate them. Um, the second announcement is the fact that after Easter, we're going to be beginning a series on grace, which is the vision that the church has for this year, that we will become a particular type of community, a genuine community that that tells the truth to one another, a receptive community that hears from God and hears from one another. We're active in our our stewardship, um, that we're a community, we work together and that we, we learn to encourage one another just to do good works and to love the Lord and to keep each other accountable. So for the next 10 weeks after Easter, we're going to be doing a series of sermons in the morning and the evening on each of those things, G-R-A-C-N-E. Two weeks on G, two weeks on R, two weeks on A, two weeks on Z, two weeks on E. What we'd like to do is to get everybody in the church and all the different congregations involved, not just from listening about our vision, but talking with one another about the vision. So one of the things we've done is got together a series of study guides for after each of the sermons. And we would like everybody to be involved in that. So if you're already in a home group, suggestion is stop what you're doing for a little bit and get on so that we together can talk about this. If you're not in a home group, 
then get together with some people and talk about it. And there's a couple of ways to do that. One is at the back there's some of these brochures. It's to sign up for a connect group or you don't have to call that, you can do whatever you like. Get together, write out a list of four or five people who have agreed to meet together, hand this in and we'll make sure that you get enough booklets to join together and chat. If you're not sure who you want to meet with, just put your name down and say, I'd like to meet with some people, hand this in again and I'll put you together with a group of people in your area and you'll get a chance to meet new people and talk with them about the vision of the church. And if you want those people to meet in your house, tick the one that says I want to host it and then they can meet in your place, which would be a great thing to do. So if you can, for those 10 weeks, find some opportunity to get with people and talk about the vision that we've set for this year. And uh, the first booklet is out already. There's, I don't know, probably 50 down the back there at the moment, maybe less than that. We printed off 100 or so. Most of them went in the morning service. Um, This is just on G. This is on Grace. So it's the study guide for the first two morning services and the first two evening services. So feel free to grab one of those and get together in groups and discuss them. That would be good. More will be available next week and the week after as well. So that's the next thing. The third thing is um, we're starting an alpha course here at um, SDBC. It's going to begin on the 17th of May. Now an alpha course is a 10-week course talking about Christianity. For those people who maybe haven't quite got it all to put together, who are seeking or just want a firmer foundation of basics, what do we believe as Christians? Or it's an opportunity for those who've got their understanding together to bring someone along who doesn't really know what Christians are about or is seeking or you want to bring them and introduce them to the Christian faith. It's going to be on Tuesday evenings down in Hope House. Right? And if you're keen to be participating in that, there's a form down the back in which you can say, look, I would like to bring a friend along to do it with them. Well, I, I want to come along and get together and just tie my Christian faith together. Really think through what exactly is the resurrection of Christ? Well, how does that fit in? What is the church? Well, who is the Holy Spirit in a, a systematic type way? What's going to happen is we get together and have a simple meal, and I'm talking reasonably simple meal, filling, but simple. Then watch a DVD, and then have an opportunity to talk about that in discussion groups and ask whatever questions people want to And um, I don't know if you got the brochure last week, but it says no questions too simple or too hostile. People are free to ask whatever they like, and we will as much as possible attempt to answer that. So if you're interested in doing that and are interested in bringing someone along to that, either give me a ring, my phone number's in the bulletin, sign up down the back. Um, Those are the best two ways to do that. The second part about that is if you can help at all, if you want to be involved in being a part of the discussion group, maybe answering some of those questions, then give me a ring or send me an email and say, look, I'd really like to participate in this. It would be a great opportunity and a way to get people to hear more of the gospel of Christ Jesus. So please put that into your thinking. And then the final thing is we're doing a letterbox drop around the area and we've got 2,000 of these uh, invitations to hand out. I forgot to mention this in the morning service. So during the week, if you've got a bit of spare time, drop into the office, pick up a pie, it'll have some streets to visit and letterbox drop and you can drop them off for us. Lots of you have surely an hour's free time and it's really good exercise. Get rid of any of those unwanted kilograms. 
grams for most of you, kilograms for me, right? and deliver some of these around to the neighbourhood that we might be a good fragrance out in our community. So catch up with me if you want after the service if you want to talk about that or drop in during the week and pick some of those up. Um, there are some up in the main building. Maybe we'll grab some for our service if you want to take some hand them out to your friends in the neighbourhood. Let's pray before we come and have a look at God's Word. Father God, we're coming now to have, as a congregation, look around your Word. We thank you so much for it. We thank you for the reminder we've had this morning in communion of all that you've done for us, with us, to us, bringing us to Christ Jesus, taking us from death into life. Father, we praise your name for that. We recognise that there are times during the week when we failed you and we ask your forgiveness for that. We pray that you might encourage us to move on this coming week, living lives that are pure and righteous before you, that are showing love to our neighbours. We look at the world and we see so many difficult things happening, wars and rumours of wars, injustices, people in sickness and in poverty. And it seems as though not much is happening to help relieve that. We pray that we as your people, by the strength of your spirit, might be challenged to go and to show your love, not just in words but in deeds to those who are in need. We pray this for your people around the world, that we might step out, be seen as your people, loving, caring, protecting, guiding. Father, we also pray for those who are rulers of the nations and ask that they might seek to do that which is righteous and just with mercy for their people. Father, closer to home, we know that there are those around us, even in this congregation, who are suffering, maybe from disease, Maybe from loneliness, maybe from just an overwhelming weight of the world upon them. We ask that you might give them peace, strengthen them. Use us as a community to encourage them this day. Father, we do pray in particular for Selena Grace, new, newly born into the Ma family. We pray that she, as she grows, might have opportunity at home, amongst her family, and in the church she attends, to hear the gospel of Christ, and that she might grow to be a woman of God. Father, we pray for that and for our discussions this morning. In Christ's name, Amen. It's been really funny coming to an Easter time not in the Anglican church. Being kind of involved in the Anglican church for probably the last six or seven years before this, probably longer than that because we were going to an Anglican church in Ethiopia while we were there. And the lead up to Easter was kind of at least a 40-day thing in Lent. And it's been interesting. Now, how, how do we think about Easter? How do we celebrate, what a weird word, celebrate Easter together as Christian people? And as I've been looking through this passage from chapter 12, verses 1 through 19, particularly, I suppose, how people reflected back to Christ what they thought about him. How do we worship, I suppose, 
Christ at this time, any time at all. What I'd like to do this morning is not cover the whole passage because there's just so much in there and you'd probably get a bit tired around about... There's no clock. Oh, there is. Probably around 12.30ish you'd probably ask me to kind of finish up. We wouldn't be all that far in. But what I'd like to do is just look through some of this and look at some of the aspect of worshipping God. Because it's been weird, my experience showing up, the way that some people do it. I, I've got to talk at a, a Pentecostal church about, oh, I know, probably eight years ago. And I, um, I was standing next to the, one of the pastors, the worship pastor, because I was the guest speaker. He was wearing this purple shirt and his orange tie and everything else. And I was just reasonably conservative. He was singing this song and I'm singing away. It's really fantastic. I'm praising God. And he starts jumping and bouncing. And he was bigger than me and everything's flabbing around the place. And he's going like this and I'm looking, what's with you? But I was very gracious. I didn't say anything. But, you know, thinking, what's with him? He was just excited. We have people who raise their hands. We have people who put their hands in their pockets. And you think, how, how do you express to God your love for him? In Ethiopia, they don't approve of dancing. The Southern Baptists were the ones who, who turned up in the early days to explain the gospel. And when they translated the scriptures, every time it had the word orgy, they translated dance. So when Paul says they were people who committed, who were involved in orgies, they said they were people who danced. And so the Ethiopian church doesn't agree with dancing at all. But they're very musical people and they love to worship with their bodies as well. So they have a new word that they've invented. It's not dance, it's called the shibshiba. And you can't move everything, you can only kind of move like this. So you've got a whole congregation that's just swaying with the music and you say to them, you're dancing. They say, we are not. That's evil. We're doing the ship shiba. Okay. Looks like dancing to me. I grew up in really, really conservative churches and you don't move at all. It's not a religious thing. You think it's just because you're grumpy. But they just stand there. Been in churches where the music's really going and people kind of aren't singing. They're just watching other people and say, what is worship? And so I just want to bring out a number of things from this passage that talk about how we worship God. And I suppose for myself, particularly at this Easter time, when we're remembering this absolutely fantastic gift of God for us in Christ Jesus. Much of what I'm going to say is actually going to come from this passage with Mary. And... I suppose the first thing about um, about worship that that I take from this is just the expression of worship that that you see from Mary. I don't know if you've got the picture in your mind, but there's this room, probably a largest room. It's a kind of a crowded room, and people are talking, people are hurrying here and there. There's laughter going on. Everyone's kind of excited about the news of Lazarus and the Passover's coming up. And the focus is, yes, on Jesus and, and yes, on Lazarus, but it seems to me to be fairly noisy. And, and Mary wanders seemingly through the room and stops at Jesus. Her, her focus seems to be on him. She seems to be in some ways not ignoring, but putting aside all the other distractions that are there. Her focus is on Christ. 
Now it says in this passage that Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, Matthew, which tells the same story, says that she didn't start actually at his feet, but she kind of started at the top of his head and poured the perfume kind of all over him. And when it got to his feet, she she put the rest of it there and then to prevent it just dropping, she untied her hair, which was something that you didn't... I'm not going to do it. I thought of doing it. I thought of untying my hair kind of as an illustration, um, but I'm not. The other time I thought of giving you an illustration was at the end when they took their cloaks off. I was going to take my shirt off. I think. No, we won't do that either. Right? But Mary unties her hair, which is something that is really kind of a personal thing to do. Um, I only take... I do mine at home, really, uh, or in my office if it's really hot. Um, and she wipes Jesus' feet with her hair, a very personal expression of worship. And, and it seems that this is the way she expressed it focused on Christ in a very personal way. She was wanting to say something to Jesus. She was wanting to express something to God. And, and that was something that I think I had to focus on. You know, as we come to Easter, it's, it's us focusing on Christ. Sometimes we get so tied up with the things that are around us with the way that other people are doing things, with what's going on beside or what's going on outside that we fail to focus in and express ourselves very personally to Jesus. What she did was something that no one else was doing, if you know. It was what she had to give to Christ. And so she came personally to do it. And my encouragement to you this Easter is to do the same thing. To do something where it's you and Jesus focusing on us. There are lots of opportunities to do that and we do that as a congregation as well. But it's your relationship with Christ that makes it worship. Otherwise it's just singing groovy songs. Or not so groovy songs. Otherwise it's just you listening to people praying or reading the scriptures or sharing in communion. But worship is this entering into it, being involved, that personal expression of adoration and love. That's the first thing I think we have to pick up. The second thing that I pick up here is the, is the extravagance, if you like, or the expense of worship. Mary took a pint of pure nard and poured it on his head and down onto his feet and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. One of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who later was to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Now, I don't know how much you earn a year, and we're not going to go into it. Let's just do average. You're looking about 50 grand, right? And this nard was from India. Right? It was. You could get cheaper nard, but this... But it's reading up on the weekend. I don't know why people go and study all this sort of stuff. But if you buy the cheap nard, which is kind of from Syria and a few other places, it would probably only cost a pint, about a hundred, you know. This stuff was the really expensive stuff. And she poured it all out in worship for Christ. Now, I couldn't find any pint bottles of perfume anywhere, but I could get a small one. 
stole into Steph's room today. And I asked her the other day how much this was worth. It's not $10,000, right? She said it was about $19,000. See how it's got one of these little pressure things? This was kind of like what Nard did. They only had a little tiny hole, so you could only get a little bit out at a time. It says in the other part that she broke the bottle. See how this works. That's what she did. She broke the alabaster. Can you guys get that yet? That's exactly what it was like. This stuff was made. This stuff was made to be little tiny sprays that just kind of dab it under your arms. She broke the bottle. Thirty grand, like that, but not just this little teeny bit. She broke the whole lot. And she tipped it off. Steph is never going to be able to use that again. Anyone who wants to, you can come and dab it a little bit if you want a little bit at the end. That's just the way. You're right, I did cut myself. But that's just the way that it goes. It's amazing, isn't it? That she would give all of that up for Jesus. A little bit later, he says to her in verse 17, it was intended that she should save this for my burial. This was probably something that was sealed and she had kept precious. Gave it to Jesus. That's worship. When Sylvia and I were fairly young, we were newly married, we were kind of in our early 20s, and we, were, we grew up reasonably poor. We kind of said to our parents, no, we could have got ourselves. And... Um, which is a good thing, any kids who wants to do that, just say that to your parents and we can look after ourselves. And we decided that we would earn our own stuff, which means you only got to eat meat once a week or something. But we were saving up, and we'd finally saved up. Sylvia says it was about $1,000. We'd finally put this money together. And um, the church had a missions night and this missionary from the Sudan came and said, we are buying things for pastors. We need your gifts. And we looked at each other and said, just went down to the bank the next day and gave a thousand. Mary had saved up a year's wages. For a woman, this was probably one of the most expensive things she had. It may well have been an heirloom. What's wrong? (laughs) 
go and see. And I'm like, oh man, yeah, we don't worry about those sorts of things. Thank you very much. I should take my shirt, I'll show you. Right? Where was I? She she gave this, she had she had saved it. May well have been something she was keeping. And she gave it to Jesus. What do we learn from that? That the worship we're to give is supposed to come, I suppose. It's supposed to be something that is sacrificial that we give to him. It's not just sitting and singing. He's not just interested in that, although he does want that. He actually wants everything of ourselves. I was thinking about this in the, the next story with these, this crowd of people who throw their cloaks before him. Are they really giving him a whole lot? The answer is not really. They pick the cloak up afterwards. The worst thing that's happened is the donkey poops on it as it goes over the top or it gets a bit of fun. That's about it and then they can pick it up. The cost isn't huge. And if you think about a week later, that's why it's quite easy for them to turn around on them. But no, Mary sat at Jesus' feet every time you read about it. She sat at his feet and she's prepared to give him her all. And I think as we come to this Easter time, what is it that we give? Well, what are we giving to Christ? We talk about giving our lives, but what does that mean? Well, it means our money. It means our time. It means our reputation. Mary let down her hair in public, washed his feet, wiped his feet with her hair. It means everything. The third thing that I want to say about worship that's here is the effect of the worship. And there's two effects. The first of them is in, in verse 3, and that is the house filled with the fragrance of the perfume. You can smell this, right? Can you smell it down the back? How, how did it waft throughout the house? Now they've got the fingers over their noses. How did it waft through the house? Well, partly, I think, because it was all on Mary's hair. And when she got up, she wandered around the house. The effect of her worship was actually just taken throughout of the whole room. And Jesus would have smelt like nard for what? Well, at least a week until he died, as we're going to get to in a moment. You can't get this stuff off. I'm going to smell like this for a while, honey. <laughs> Love you. It's like that brute stuff. Anyone ever tried that? It just sticks around forever. But that's what happened. The, the attitude that Mary had shown in her relationship with Jesus was on her. And it went with her as she went. Now, 2 Corinthians tells us that that aroma can have a number of responses. i got to be honest, this scent, I think Steph was happy for me to get rid of it. Because it's not her favourite. You know, some smells just kind of evoke within you that wonderful like huge roast potatoes. It's, it's got the whole grandma thing. It's got everything. It's got a whole lot of nostalgia. The other scent, which is a grandma thing, is, is Vicks Vapor Up. 
every time I smell Vicks Vaporub or Eucalyptus, I think of my grandma. She thought that it was a cure-all. She rubbed it on everything and usually herself. So that every time we went to meet grandma, it, she, it just smelled like eucalyptus. She was like a koala. <laughs> you know? A clean koala. And everything just kind of smelled. Every time I smell that, I think first of my grandma. And she's, she's passed away years ago. Maybe 20 years ago. Every time I smell this paper, I think of her. But then there's other smells which kind of put you off. They turn you away. Aren't they? I hope this isn't one of them for you, but it might be. Right? There are those smells that as you smell them, they bring back memories which are horrific for you. I had thought of a number of those smells for me, but most of them were bad smells, and I didn't want to talk about them in church. But one of them is kind of like antiseptics, I hospital-type smells. I still have this memory of, of being taken into the hospital in Sudan to get a checkout. I had got really, really sick and I eventually got flown out, but the hospital in Sudan was a place that you went to die. And it had that antiseptic smell mixed with dirt and other sorts of things. And there have been a number of times since then where I've kind of smelt that smell. And to me it was a smell of death. And even though I'm in a different situation, whenever I smell that smell, my mind goes back to Sudan. I was, I was petrified in Sudan. My mind was a bit loose. And uh, I remember, it still keeps telling me, I don't remember the whole lot, but as she was taking me into the hospital to get checked, I kept saying to her, don't leave me here, don't leave me here, don't leave me here. Because I knew that if I got left there, I was dead. Because that's what happened to people who went to hospital in Sudan. And they just wanted to do a test. And she said, I'm not leaving you here, don't worry, I'm not leaving you here. But that smell just evokes in me. And I was in another hospital in the north of Ethiopia, I don't know, about eight years ago. I had to go in for a test, and all I can smell is that same smell. And all that comes over me is this feeling of dread. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says that as we go out having worshipped Christ, as we live for him, we're like that, That the, the attitude that we have towards Jesus and how we reflect that has that same impact on folks. Some of them are drawn to it. They say, this is fantastic. I want that. That's what I need. And others say, that, just that, I hate. I had this experience this week. I think it was Thursday night. I went down, there was a prayer vigil outside of the abortion clinic in Bowen Hills. And it's been going for the last 40 days and I was rostered on for Thursday night between 10.30 and midnight. So I'm down there and the people had left before me. I was the only one praying at this prayer vigil. And it's not that people can actually tell that it's a prayer vigil. There's not a huge sign. You're just praying that God would do something, that God would stop the the crimes that are going on in the building behind and change people's hearts and bring compassion and love and grace into, into all people's situations. And I'm praying there. And there's, it's, it's like 11 o'clock on a Thursday night. So there's not going to be heaps of people travelling past. But there were probably two or 300 cars over the hour and a half who drove past. And I was amazed that about five or six of them would stop by the side of the road and call out abuse doodle hand signals to you. Right. 
not little hand signals, they're really big hand signals. And they were expressing themselves and they would yell out stuff and they'd honk their horns. And I'm thinking to myself, what's wrong with you? What is it? What's got you? And then realizing the fact that that's what it was. It was just if we're doing this and we're making an expression of faith to Christ, the people respond automatically against it. They find that a stench. And I suppose one of the things that I picked up in the worship that we have for Christ this Easter does it show on us in the change in the way we live and the change in the way we do things and the way that we respond to Christ? Does that make a difference? Are the people around us noticing this? Are they seeing the way we react? Are they responding positively to Jesus and wanting to know what it is about Easter that means so much to us? Or on the other hand, are they saying, no, that smells giving me a headache. Get it out if you don't want it anymore. Is that what they're doing? We need to make certain that there's an effect there in what we're doing. The second part of the effect that I think is, for me, being the most pertinent as looked at it, has to do with Jesus' comments here. Jesus says, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Worship is for Christ's sake, not for our sake. Worship blesses God, magnifies Christ, gives benefit to him, is an expression of who he is and what he's done. It is for his sake and for his glory. She was doing something for Jesus. It was good for him. He was about to die and be buried. She was preparing him for his death, for what he was going to go through. And I wonder sometimes, you know, as I was thinking my worship leading up, how much of this is focused on thank you Jesus for saving me, thank you Jesus for saving me, thank you Jesus for saving me, which is the right thing and okay. And how much is thank you Jesus. This is what you've done. You're great, you're majestic, you're mighty, you're wonderful. You saved. I want to lift you up in the world. Now we could compare this with what comes afterwards with the crowd. Jesus will be praised. He says that in Luke's Gospel. The Pharisees say to his disciples, tell them to be quiet, all these people who are praising you. And Jesus says, if they didn't do it, the rocks would do it. I will be praised. He will be praised. But the people don't necessarily understand what they're doing. My encouragement to us is to make certain that we do. That we're not doing it for ourselves. They were just after a king that would save them. And Jesus was there and he needed to be glorified. And Jesus, the, the last verse towards the end that we read says that the disciples didn't realise this had been written about him. These things had done until after he had been glorified. And that's the expression that we're supposed to bring is to have that effect 
not just on ourselves, but the effect of glorifying Christ Jesus. There's, there's a lot more to say. But there's some of the things that have impacted me. And I would encourage you as you have this lead up to next week. It's a personal relationship you're to have with Christ Jesus. It's an expression you and him. What you do might be different from the person next to you. Not too many people are going to break things of nard for Jesus. But they have other ways. Some people gave the colt that he might ride in on. Some people prepared the room that he might give the supper. Some people go and they do this for Jesus, or they sing songs, or they tell their name. Whatever it is, it's an expression of worship. Give what you have. And, and that's the purpose, is that he might be magnified. Take time this Easter to lift him up. Make sure that that magnifying of Christ has an effect with the people around about you. That fragrance wafts to the heavens. Our lives are to be like that. Not just in the community, but this pleasant aroma to God. Let's make sure this Easter, as we lead up to it, that we might worship Christ like that. Let's pray. Dearest Father, we pray that as we come now to another time of singing, that each of us might be focused on you, thinking about you, worshipping you. That we might be thinking how it is that we might truly magnify your name, bless you, praise your name. Father, we pray that even this expression of worship might modify our thinking and our actions that we might in the community be a pleasant fragrance to you. We know that some people, Lord, will hate that and they will abuse us. And yet for your sake and your glory, we want that to happen. That there might be your presence out there, that people might be drawn to you. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name.